When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Surfside Bus Lines. Free shuttle buses to and from the Magic Millions. Visit surfside.com.au. Welcome to Magic Millions Radio with Chris Nelson. Good morning. Welcome to Monday morning, the first day of Magic Millions Radio for 2022. We've got a huge week ahead of us on the Gold Coast, of course. There's nothing better than celebrating the Magic Millions Carnival on the Gold Coast. There's a lot to get through both today, tomorrow, and for the rest of the week. And just uh, having a look at some of the things that are on this week, uh, we kick it off today with uh, Magic Millions Yearling Inspections. Now, they've already... Uh, been underway since 8am this morning. So well and truly underway for a couple of hours there, those yearling inspections. A couple of big lunches today. The Women in Racing Luncheon is at the Sheraton Mirage Resort and Spa Main Beach, and that's from 12pm. And the Carbine Club Lunch is at the Star Gold Coast from uh, from 12pm. So if you've got a ticket to one of those, good luck to you. They will both be very, 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 very uh, good lunches, uh, those two there. So looking forward to those. If you've got a ticket, if you haven't, well, there's always next year. Of course, tomorrow, a massive morning on Surfers Paradise Beach. It's the Star Gold Coast Magic Millions Barrier Draw on the foreshore from 6 a.m. Always a very exciting time. Of course, we uh, open up the carnival officially there with the horses galloping along the uh, the sand in front of the uh, all the uh, high-rises there at Surfers on the beach. And then the barrier draw takes place for both of the big races, the two-year-old Classic and the three-year-old Guineas uh, shortly after that. So looking forward to that. Uh, and, of course, from 12 p.m. tomorrow, we kick off the actual yearling sale. So the Magic Millions yearling sale, sale day one commences at 12 p.m. tomorrow. On uh, Thursday, day three of the sales, but also the Gold Coast Turf Club two-year-old Calcutta dinner. And that's, of course, being held at the Turf Club at Bundle from 6 p.m. Now, speaking to uh, Ian Brown, the uh, racing manager from the Gold Coast Turf Club on Friday, I think there were some tickets still available. Not sure if that's the case now, but if you jump onto the Gold Coast Turf Club website, uh, you'll get all the information you need there. And, of course, then that leads into Saturday where we've got the $10.25 million. And, of course, we're going to race for more next year. We'll get to that during the week. The Star Gold Coast Magic Millions Race Day, which, of course, includes the two-year-old Classic and the three-year-old uh, Guineas and uh, many other good races on the day, of course, and plenty of prize money, as I mentioned, $10.25 million. Now, that's Magic Millions news for this week. What's going to be on the show this week? Well, we'll keep you updated on all Magic Millions news, both on and off the track. Uh, leading into those big races on Saturday. I'll have form analyst Nick Lloyd. He'll join me. Uh, he's going to, I had down here to join me tomorrow, but we're going to catch up with Nick and just get his idea and have a bit of a chat about those uh, two-year-old races that we saw at the Gold Coast on Saturday, uh, the Gold Nugget and the Pearl, just to see if, uh, in his opinion, any of those uh, particular horses can uh, can make their presence felt and perhaps uh, cause an upset 
as we do have a very short price favourite in Cool and Gatter leading into the two-year-old classic on Saturday. So we'll have a chat to Nick Lloyd very shortly. We'll be chatting to Tom Hackett from Ladbrokes. He'll cover off all the markets, the market movers, the shorteners, the drifters as the week goes on. And there's sure to be plenty of movement after the uh, the barrier draw tomorrow morning on the beach. Really looking forward to this. Another five Magic Millions Memories segments, just as we did last year. If you tuned in last year, you'll know I spoke to Danny Beasley. I spoke to Shane Dye, Gillian Heinrich. Some really good names there and some terrific memories of uh, Magic Millions from the past. Well, we'll do that all over again. Now, today we're going to catch up with Tommy Berry. I'll be wrapped to speak to Tommy, of course. He won the race on Karuta Queen for Neville late back in 2011. And then he backed it up the following year, winning on Dree Fontaine, of course, who uh, won on protest. So we'll have a chat to uh, Tommy about that. Tim Rowe from ANZ Bloodstock. He'll be along to preview the yearlings he's got his eyes on in the parade ring, uh, plus a look back at the highlights from the previous day's sale. So we'll catch up with Tim today, uh, get an idea of what uh, he thinks will fetch the big dollars throughout the sales, what particular lots. And as the week goes on, as I said, we'll revise uh, what has happened uh, during the previous day. But first up this morning going to have a chat to uh, to Nick Lloyd. Uh, Nick's going to join us and talk about those uh, two-year-old races that we, of course, had at the Gold Coast on Saturday. The Gold Nugget was first, and then the uh, the Aquas Pearl was the the second of those uh, particular races. Of course, the Gold Nugget was won by Mashani Spartan, and this was some sort of a run. Mashani Spartan came from last, tailed off last, got through along the inside and uh, finished strongly to knock them all over in what was an upset result. That's two starts for Mashani Spartan, and on both occasions... Mashani Spartan has won at big odds. The first of those was uh, was at Ipswich. So we will have a chat to Nick. We've got him online now. Good morning to you, Nick. Yeah, good morning, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Uh, an exciting time of year, that's for sure, for us up it, here in Queensland. It's a very exciting time of year, and uh, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you on, as always, Nick. And what what did you take out of those races? We might just uh, go to the video, or the video, go to the audio of the uh, the Gold Nugget, this was uh, race number three on Saturday. This was the race, as I mentioned, won by Mashani Spartan. Let's have a listen to the closing stages. Deep. They're far wider with stupendous. One Jai turned and Mashani Spartan is last of all. Hello Am shifted about six or seven away from the rail. He's got a lewd's measure. Now he has to try and withstand the challenge from Swiss Exile. Heroic Son battling away well. Stupendo at this point not in it. Hello Am a lewd raising it everything on the outside. Then Swiss Exile. Stupendo heading top gear now. And I can see Mashani Spartan. Have a look at him. Right along the inside. Mashani Spartan. Stupendo up to second. But Mashani Spartan, he's a giant killer again. He beats Stupendo in a lewd. Hell I am hit the brick wall, so did Swiss Exile. Nick, do you rate uh, Mashani Spartan any chance of knocking over Cool and Gatter in similar fashion to that uh, on Saturday? Well, it, it, that, that, that replay certainly invoked a couple of bad memories. I backed Stupendo <laughs> and Delude on Saturday, so they've run second and third, and uh, I think David Fowler summed it up pretty well. Giant killer. So, But look, the time wasn't anything flash on the clock. It was a second slower than the Philly, so you've got to sort of take that into into account, I think, um, and, you know, whether or not the that quality of field in the gold nugget this year was the same as what we saw when uh, Shaquero and Finance Tycoon sort of battled it out 12 months ago. I'm not sure. I'd probably be um, sticking with the favourite against any of those guys, that's for sure. You wouldn't back up on uh, Stupendo? I mean, Stupendo did run on quite uh, generously late, but yeah, you have a look. Stupendo was level with Mashani Spartan near the, uh, the 300, so you probably couldn't see Stupendo turning the tables, or could you? 
No, well, well it, he was certainly one horse that I was keen to follow out of yesterday, uh, Saturday's race towards the Magic Millions, and he was he was a little while between runs. I think it was three or four weeks between runs, and um, so um, and you've got to respect the stable whenever they bring one up here. I think uh, Parody Danny O'Brien won the backup seven days uh, between the Wave and the the Open race last year, so it's a formula that's worked for him. Um, and it's probably the horse that's classy enough to go on with the job. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's a $61 winner on debut and then a $30 winner yesterday. Uh, it, you know, it's hard to really know how good that form is. Maybe the market's just missed him both times. But, uh, yeah, I think I'll be steering clear from that form race. And one of three runners in the race for uh, for Les Ross. He's had some real success with his two-year-olds this year. He's Mishani's. He does, yeah. It's um, you know, those Masanis. We always see it. There's always a swag full of them getting around early on in the two-year-old uh, two-year-old season, and you sort of don't see them much after after the two-year-old. But uh, obviously, yeah, I think a lot of them are those cutest cutest horses, and it's just a, a great cash grab. It's a, it's a, probably it's a fantastic business model that Leslie's got. That's yeah, for sure. It is. Oh, I can't. I can never catch them. Uh, just a couple of other runners out of that race that were. We're disappointing on face value. Hell, I am uh, the favourite, two dollar ninety favourite, and Swiss Exile uh, for the Annabelle Nisham stable was three eighty. So the the first two favourite, well, the first two in the market, they both finished out of the placings. What did you make of those runs? Yeah, a little bit disappointing. Um, I, I thought Hell, I am sort of seemed to have every chance. Swiss Exile, uh, I don't know what to do with him. Obviously, I think we spoke after its debut run where. We both kind of said, yeah, this will be definitely mm. one to follow. And it, it just hasn't really gone on with the job how we would have expected. I think it might have run fourth or fifth last start in the um, BJ McLaughlin behind Cool and Gatter and then uh, pretty easy in the market on Saturday and uh, ran accordingly, I think. But uh, I noticed Ryan Maloney uh, sort of got suspended for his ride on it too. So, um, yeah, probably couldn't be sort of being too confident if I had a futures ticket on it for next week. Well, it's not going around. It won't. Uh, it's uh, currently right. in the mark in the order of entry. It's uh, twenty six. So I can't see Swiss Exile getting a start. No, the other one we mentioned. Yeah, the other one we mentioned there. I'm looking for now, and I can't find. Was uh, was Hell I Am. So I wouldn't expect uh, Hell I Am would be running in that race either. So we'll pass on those two. Let's have a listen to the uh, the Phillies Division, the Aquas Gold Pearl race number four on Saturday. Following that trio, Tycoon Mistress turned in second last, and last of all, Affogato Girl. In the straight, though, Departo headed off by Miss Hellfire, who booted to the lead, but Perfect Mission is looking a strong danger. Stroll under pressure, then Mouet, and Honeypot starting to put him down the outside. Miss Hellfire the inside, Perfect Mission the outside. They're in a duel, 100 to go. Miss Hellfire is answering the challenge. Perfect Mission can't get it yet. Miss Hellfire hands and heels to the line. Too good. Big Perfect Mission. Lead fair and square. Stroll third, Honey Pot fourth. Importantly, Nick, uh, Miss Hellfire franks that uh, that form from the from the Wyong Magic Millions behind Soaring Ambition, of course, was good uh, last Saturday at Doombin on the heavy track. So that is now a decent form line by the look of things. Yeah, there was sort of a little bit of doubt, I think, when Soaring Ambition got beat last weekend as a short price favourite. And then, obviously, like you say, Hell I Am went around and uh, couldn't couldn't justify that form. But yeah, Miss Hellfire, I thought I thought it was a very good win. Up on the speed, um, I think Mouet and the the Pano, the horse of Tracy Bartlett, they they were both up there handy and they sort of dropped out to get beat five lengths and nearly eight lengths. So the fact that she was able to sit up on the speed under Benny Thompson from the from the outside or one of the wider alleys in Barrier Seven and then really go on with the job. Perfect mission looked to, like it was going to cruise up and win by three at the top of the turn. Mm. And uh, 
Miss Hellfire really kicked. So I think, yeah, like you say, that form reference uh, around soaring ambition sort of puts uh, puts him right back into the contention as well for next Saturday. Well, uh, the filly from the Golan stable, uh, Honey Pot, won't go around or won't get a start in the uh, the Magic Millions. But uh, I get the feeling she's one to follow next preparation, maybe going forward. She she just hasn't had a lot go her way, has she? No, that's it. Definitely, I thought it was a very eye-catching run from the back. Like you say, she she just doesn't have the the greatest barrier manners just yet. And she um, once she once she puts it all together, I think she'll be a a really nice filly. And um, another one I'm keen to follow out of that race as well. Scroll. I know she's um, yeah. she's in the paddock now. So, um, but yeah, you know she she looked like she was going to get beat a fair way when they cornered, and then she really knuckled down late. And uh, I know, I know Matt, Matt Hoisted, I spoke to him during the week and uh, he's got a massive opinion of this filly. So I think Proven paid 450000 for her at the sales last year and I, um, I dare say they'll be winning a fair bit of that back during her racing career. I think she's got a bit of ability. An XO lady was disappointing? Yeah, it's been one I've just never been able to catch. I know she's. I know she went into the race three from three, um, but the the market really didn't like her on Saturday. She she got a long way out of the ground uh, in the run, and like she worked she worked home well enough, I thought. But and you know she's not she's not Magic Millions, and I don't think she's cutest either. So um, they'll they'll sort of be a little bit lost with her. They can't target any of those big two year old races that they run at the Gold Coast, but. I, I think she'll be a nice horse in time. She's um like I said, she's won the three from three or three from four now, and um, probably just came to the end of the prep. The wet track might have brought her undone too. All right, I'll put you on the spot now. I'm going to speak to you tomorrow morning after the barrier draw, but pre-barrier draw, are you sticking with the favourite Cool and Gatter? Can you see her being beaten? Um, I I can see her being beaten. I I haven't backed her yet. I'll, if I'm going to back her, it'll be waiting for the, obviously after the barrier draw. And maybe hope that we get a little bit of a better price than the dollar seventy or the dollar eighty that's on offer at the moment. Um, but at the same time, you know what beats it, I really don't know. It, it could be another upset. I, I thought Bright Blue Sky can be one that can improve um, the Kiwi filly off that first run, but probably wanted to see a little bit more. And um, I'd, I'd love to see Heroic Sun for Peter and Will Holbert to have yeah. you know improve a couple of lengths out of that Nugget run yesterday where he was a little bit unlucky. So. Um, but no, look, Kulangat is probably the standout at the moment for obvious reasons. Yeah, the sneaky one could be Russian Conquest from the uh, the Snowden Yard, the one that's uh, coming well, from Sydney that yeah. we haven't seen. That's right. That Sydney form always sort of stands up and uh, have to have to really get stuck into that Sydney form during the week and, uh, yeah, hopefully have it all, all worked out by Saturday, Chris. That's the plan. <laughs> well, you can get stuck into the three-year-old uh, Guineas form too because there is so much interstate form there and that is nothing like the two-year-old race where the market is wide open. There's a heap of chances in that. That's going to be a difficult one. And the barrier draw will be all important there as well. Nick, thanks for joining us this morning. As I said, we'll have a chat to you tomorrow after the barrier draw. We'll get your ideas on that. And we'll see uh, what sort of changes, of course, we've had in the market. We'll speak to Tommy uh, Tommy Haylock as well. Uh, actually, Tommy Hackett. Tommy Haylock works for another company. So we'll go with uh, Tommy Hackett. We'll go for a break. After the break, we'll catch up with Tim Rowe from ANZ Bloodstock, get an idea of what sort of lots he's looking at this week, who's going to be the big uh, earners, who's going to buy these horses, these expensive uh, yearlings. And we'll catch up with Tim right after this. Surfside Bus Lines. Free shuttle buses to and from the Magic Millions. Visit surfside.com.au. This is Magic Millions Radio with Chris Nelson. 
Thanks for joining us on the first of five Magic Millions radio shows on this Monday morning. Now, if you look at the catalogue for the 2022 Gold Coast Yearling Sale, it's pretty thick and there's a lot of information on there. But if you're anything like me, you really wouldn't have much of a clue. So that's why we get the experts involved. And one of those experts, if not the expert, is Tim Rowe, who's going to join me now from ANZ Bloodstock. Good morning to you, Tim. Good morning, Chris. How are you this morning? Yeah, going well. The weather's beautiful out here at the Magic Millions. It's turned and, uh, yeah, looking forward to sail kicking off tomorrow. Weather's always beautiful on the Gold Coast, Tim. You know that. Well, I've been here for a week and I uh, can't always say that, but uh, I haven't <laughs> seen the beach, which is probably a good thing for a lot of people. <laughs> now, what are you looking for in the sails? The sails, of course, kick off tomorrow at uh, 12 p.m., there's a hell of a lot of lots there. You've had a lot of homework, I suppose, to do over the last, I don't know how long, the last month or so? Yeah, I guess the yeah, the catalogue came out uh, probably uh, mid-November, so the agents and you know, the, the vendors have had, been prepping their horses. I guess I'm privileged to talk a lot of, to a lot of agents and trainers that actually know what they're looking at, and I can sort of lean on them to uh, work out which they, which horses they believe uh, have the credentials to, to make it on the track. And, uh, of course, the beauty of the game is, uh, while everyone it's an opinion game, like the punt, uh, no one's absolutely right, and you don't know whether you, you are right or wrong for, you know, 18 months, two years. Well, that, that's true. And, I mean, we're going to speak to, uh, to Tommy Berry after the, after the news. And, of course, he rode Carew to Queen to win, and she cost $30,000. So it's not always these, uh, these high-priced yearlings that win the race. There's plenty of uh, success stories around lesser, uh, lesser amounts being paid for these, for these yearlings. Absolutely. Well, on Carita Queen, uh, you know, she had a yearling sell through here for $1.55 I think it was, a couple of years ago. So, uh, you know, you can generate a lot of riches out of uh, cheap, yeah. cheap mares. All right. So what are we looking at, Tim? Where, where are we heading? What day of the sales excites you the most? Oh, look, I think uh, there's, there's something on, on every day. Uh, with 1,200 horses across seven days, there is, you know, ample horses to choose from. Uh, naturally, you know, I'm Invincible is just a freak stallion. Uh, just gets winner after winner, and uh, he'll be very, very popular, of course, along with uh, Snitzel, who's four-time champion stallion. But I'm Invincible just is that outcross, of course, to all the Dane Hill blood and, uh, and reduced choice blood. So he gets a lot of top mares. Um, and I, he's just got a strong hand right through, you know, on, on day one, early on day one. Um, there's binary has got an I'm Invincible half-brother to Santa Ana Lane and uh, Newgate uh, Farm have a, you know, probably the potential sale topper, I would say, uh, on lot 585, which is later in the sale. It's a half-brother to to dubious that people won't know, ran second in the Magic Millions, I think, not a single doubt. Now it started Aquas Farm in Queensland. Uh, everyone's been talking about that cult as, you know, two to two and a half million uh, is the sort of ballpark figure at this stage and anything can, can change between now and then. But he's, he's the standout um, of I'm Invincibles, I would say. Um, and the connections, the owners of that horse did very well, like, bought the mare and foal to that horse out of the paddock for, I believe, a million plus. And they might get their money back uh, in one hit, which is a fair, fair effort. A lot of money on the it? table, but, um, you know, that's the, that's the gamble, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Bet big and win big. So um, that'll be very interesting. How many I Am Invincibles are going through the uh, the ring? Do you know, top of your head? Uh, well, I think there's a few out, but it's it's 50-odd, I think. I don't want to give the exact numbers. But, oh. uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, obviously he's the most... 
very commercial stallion. He said he's because of his breeding, he gets access to a lot of good mares and you know, the service fees of 200000 So, you know, again, there's a lot of money on the table for these breeders. It's not as easy as it looks to uh, to get a horse in the sale full stop and then, of course, uh, get, your, get your money back, particularly with the service, the champion, the service fees that the champion stallions uh, so we... deserve. And... No, I'm sorry. There you go. No, I was going to say, if we look at the other end of the spectrum, we go down the bottom uh, looking for some value buyers. Is there anything there that you think... Uh that might have taken your eye and think, well, that could be a bit of a, uh, a bargain basement price for a really good horse. Is there anything like that popped up? Well, well, it's more the stallions. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, young stallions, and I've been sort of talking to, to agents, sort of canvassing their views on um, stallions. Obviously, there was, you know, that year, Justify, Coolmore's got right behind, and uh, the Autumn Sun and, and Trapeze Artist, top, really top-class horses, but written by one of Blue Diamond. The agents just seem really... Uh, confident with those horses he stamps them they look like runners and as uh, Jim Clark a good Queensland agent told me that uh, he thinks he's very confident that horse could throw one that's back in 12 months time in the big race they just look as uh, Bill Mitchell also said that people know trainers horses and sometimes that's what you want you want to steer clear of all the shiny you know marketing and everything and just look for at the end of the day you want a good race horse don't you that's exactly right. Now, we uh, kick off tomorrow at 12 p.m. Uh, any particular lots tomorrow we should keep our eyes on? Well, I just touched on Justify. And um, as I said, Coolmore spent tens of millions of dollars acquiring the best mares available to send to this stallion. It would be a great experiment to see whether they can make a stallion or stallions just do it themselves. Um, and lot one first through the ring is a Justify out of Eckstein, and I'm a mixable mare that Kurt Goldman trained. was very good group winner. Um, I think she cost about 750000 through the sales, and they sent us to Justify, and a uh, very, very nice horse. So you've got a good guide on the Justifies right from, from lot one. Um, lot 51 as well at Arrowfield's got, again, the Autumn Sun. They sent a lot of good mares to him, and uh, there's a three-quarter brother to Sweet Idea and Showtime that people will know from Arrowfield. And, um, yeah, sort of later in the sale... You know, done done deals. Sorry, there's another stallion to watch. I think he yep. he started very well with Castelvecchio and horses of that ill. Off lower base mares is what's happened, and then they sort of uh, the mare quality can sometimes fall off a little bit with commercial breeders just being a bit wary whether they're going to make it. But he has, and that these yearlings are from a vastly upgraded uh, group of mares. So I think he's a stallion to watch if you wanted to if. Uh, Train or owners are looking to sort of contact their trainers or syndicators. Could be a stallion that really uh, kicks on, I think, in the next few years, and they'll only get more expensive from this year on, I would suggest. All righty. So we'll look at lot one tomorrow. We'll look at lot 51 tomorrow. We'll give you tomorrow off. We won't hassle you in the morning, but we'll speak to you again on Wednesday. We'll get an idea of what happened on Tuesday and what to look forward to on the Wednesday. So, Tim, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Really appreciate your input and look forward to chatting to you again on Wednesday. Thanks very much for having me, Chris. That's an absolute pleasure. We'll head to some news, and after we come back from the news, we'll chat to Tommy Berry. Surfside Bus Lines. Free shuttle buses to and from the Magic Millions. Visit surfside.com.au. This is Magic Millions Radio with Chris Nelson. 
Inside the 600, Karuda Queen, a half to Schiffer. They're followed by Mariana on the outside, Pepper Jet fourth, and then Internal Revenue, Playtime, Military Grace, five o'clock, Zed Man, and further back is Wonderful You. Karuda Queen led on the straight, got away by a length and a half. Schiffer still chasing, followed by Pepper Jet in the clear. Then Mariana, Playtime down the outside. Karuda Queen is the leader inside the 200. Schiffer can't get there at the moment. Pepper Jet's running home, but Karuda Queen is clear of the Magic Millions from Schiffer and Pepper Jet and Karuda Queen makes it four from four, bolts in the millions, tight second and third, combat kitty, Schiffer and Pepper Jet in the photo. Four from four, Karuda Queen winning the Magic Millions back in 2011 for Boom Apprentice at the time, Tommy Berry, and hasn't Tommy kicked on from then? Tommy, good morning to you. Hey, how are you? Very well, thanks. That uh, would have brought back some pretty good memories from, uh, what, 10 years ago? Two, 11 years ago. Yeah, it's been a while since I've heard that replay, so um, no, they were great memories. It, it does feel like a lifetime ago now um, since the Premier Queen was was around, but um, no, a lot's happened since then, and uh, yeah, hope, hoping we can make it three on the weekend. Yeah, well, uh, there's no reason why not. I suppose you're hanging out for the barrier draw tomorrow morning and trying to come up with a good gate. I mean, the gates at uh, the 1200 at the Gold Coast, they're all important. Yeah, I think they're pretty crucial. Um, Know, any race at the Gold Coast, especially in the big, big, big races on the weekend, the fields have got to be quite large. And um, yeah, it's, you don't want to draw too close to the rail because um, we've seen a lot of people find a lot of trouble over the last sort of four or five years drawing too too close. But somewhere in the middle would be perfect. Now you jumped on uh, Karuda Queen at uh, at her first start. Of course, Neville Late was the trainer of uh, Karuda Queen. How did you uh, get the ride? Did Neville approach you and? Obviously, some of the, the bigger name jockeys at the time were probably knocking on uh, Neville's door or ringing him up and trying to get rid of you or boot you off the horse. But he he, he stuck solid. Yeah, no, he did, and, and there was plenty of plenty of jockeys um, along the way, especially leading into the, the Magic Millions and onto the the Golden Slipper after that, that tried to tried to get the ride, which is is fair enough. I I know the nature of the the game now. Um, didn't say much when I was a bit younger, but. Um, yeah, I was, I was actually riding at Goldman and um, Neville asked me to come and he said, I want you to ride this two-year-old on the weekend. And, and there's an older jockey there called Terry Jones at the time. He trialled her and he said she ran off at the wing post. So I actually went to call my manager on the way home and said, I'm not sure if I want to ride this two-year-old. And I'd forgotten all about it. Saw myself on her at the acceptances on on, um, on the Wednesday and uh, she turned up on Saturday, woolly coat, mane down to her knees and uh, she's a little pit pony and I thought to myself, what have I got myself into here? And uh, anyway, that was um, she showed me how good she was on that day. That was on that was at Rose Hill on the 9th of October. She won by 3.8 lengths, and she beat uh, she beat Danger Lurks and uh, the third horse in the race, Helmet, or obviously went on. Yeah, no, look at that that whole two-year-old crop um, from her first start all the way through. Even in the Magic Million, there's plenty of horses that went on to to win, you know, going to bigger and better things and. And so did she. She, um, you know, she won the Group Two level after that at Mooney Valley, and she uh, ran second twice behind Black Caviar at Group One level. So, um, you know, she she had a, a illustrious career, and she wasn't the best sprinter going around, but um, you know, she was among some of the better ones. Uh, she was very honest, and just looking back through her her twenty starts, you rode her in all but three, from what I can see, all three runs. Now she was transferred to Peter Moody. Uh, later in her career, and Luke Nolan rode her at three starts, but you rode her the other 17 starts. It just doesn't happen very often these days. No, it doesn't. 
I guess it's not only that, you know, horses of that calibre sometimes don't really have, um, like fillies and mares do, but I ride a lot of good colts and their, um, their careers aren't as long. Um, they're obviously very short-lived if they're, they're, they've, they've got a fair share of ability, which is so... We don't really get to see them good horses hang around for as long now, so you probably don't get to, to ride them for as many starts. And, and if they're not of her calibre, well, um, you know, the, the jockey gets swapped around quite frequently. Now, Neville, late, uh, did you do a lot of riding for Neville, Tommy? Yeah, I did. I, I, I actually won on a horse before, um, crew to queen called One More Grand. I won on him at Rose Hill as well. Had a little bit of luck on that horse, and then from then on, uh, between myself and... Uh, his son Adrian, we, we sort of shared most of his riding. Pretty much the same association I've got with Terry uh, Robinson now is is the is same sort of friendship and association I had with Neville back in the day. Now you move on to 2012 uh, and you rode Drefontaine in the, the Magic Millions, second past the post, behind no looking back, but you managed to win the race uh, on protest. Yeah, that was a tough one. That um, obviously protesting against the stable mate. Um, I was I was number two rider at Gay Waterhouses at that stage before I became her, her number one rider, and, and Nashua Willow was obviously her, her number one, and he was on no looking back. So you know I was protesting against owners that I ride for. Um, obviously another one of Gay's horses and, and my mentor in Nash. So it was a pretty daunting experience, especially you know I was, was still only quite young at that stage. So. Um, it, uh, yeah, it was definitely um, it, was, it was a good win on the day. She was a, a tough, honest mare, and I'm pretty sure she was unbeaten leading into that as well. But um, yeah, she went on to. I'm pretty sure she won at Group One level in South Australia. I'm, I can't remember now, but uh, I wasn't on her at that stage. But she went very close if she didn't. How does that go down when you are, you know, protesting against the the more illustrious stable mate and the the one ridden by the main jockey? I mean, is there any backlash from that down the track? No, there wasn't. I thought there would be. Um, but, you know, the owners of No Looking Back handled it quite well. I think I won a stakes race on her two starts later. Um, Gay's obviously been around for a lot longer than I have, and, and she's been in those sort of positions. So the, I think the hardest part for me was, as I said, I was only young, and, and the backlash I copped um, through social media and, yeah. and, and um, mainstream TV and, and radio and stuff like that the next day um, was, was quite... Quite hard to hard to cop it at a young age. I, I remember on the Sunday or Monday, I, I wished I hadn't even won the race. So um, yeah. it was uh, yeah, it was it was a tricky one for me. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad it's on the mental piece anyway. Tommy, you're a, you're a champion jockey. You're an even better bloke. Whenever we approach you for a chat, you're always uh, more than happy to come on. So we really appreciate that. We wish you all the best on Saturday and going forward. And hopefully, we're chatting to you again very very soon. No, my pleasure. I look forward to talking to you next time. Take care. <laughs> Thanks, Tommy. Tommy Berry joining us this morning, talking about uh, Karuta Queen, who, of course, run, won the race in 2011, and then he backed it up the next year with Drefontaine in 2012. We'll head for a break, and we'll come back with more in just a moment. Surfside Bus Lines. Free shuttle buses to and from the Magic Millions. Visit surfside.com.au. This is Magic Millions Radio with Chris Nelson. Really looking forward now to catching up with uh, Bart Sinclair, of course. Now, Bart... He's a newspaper legend. He's a member of the Racing Queensland Hall of Fame, and he's currently the racing manager of the Brisbane Racing Club. But very good morning to you. Yeah, good morning, Chris. Good morning, all. 
Great to chat to you on this uh, Monday morning. Of course, the Monday of Magic Millions Week. Now, I just wanted to talk about uh, the original concept, where it all started, Magic Millions. I mean, at the time in 1987, I think I got this right, you were the uh, the turf edi- editor of the Daily Sun newspaper. Is that right? Yeah, correct. Uh, Chris, I went to the Courier Mail the following year after Magic Millions. So I've sort of been with the uh, the idea of the Magic Millions from day one. In fact, it sort of broke the story uh, in the Daily Sun uh, about 1985. Um, Carl War was the uh, initiator of the concept and he had the backing of uh, four or five Queensland breeders, but far from universal support. In fact, David Chester, who was working for the... Um, was there, The Gold Nugget was the, the precursor to it. It was a March sale and had its own race. And the idea that horses sold out of that sale would be eligible for the Golden Nugget run at the Gold Coast. But this was at another level. 200 horses only, mm-hmm. and the winner guaranteed $1 million. Now, a huge chunk of the uh, Queensland breeding uh, industry didn't think it would get off the ground. And David Chester did his rounds of the studs trying to convince breeders to put their yearlings be part of the 200 in the initial block. And uh, as he said, they put the dogs on him at some places. They chased, <laughs> chased him out the front gate. So it, it uh, was an awkward sort of start. And the, the interstate breeders couldn't quite get their head around it. So some sent... Horses of uh, lesser quality bloodlines. Um, so they scrambled together and got 200 horses. And it was uh, you know, a pretty tough sale. And a lot of the, the, the future for the Magic Mead hinged on how it was received in the first year and how the race evolved. Well, lo and behold, along came Snippets. Mm. And to go with him... Prince Anton, the runner-up, he was several times uh, group-placed later in his career, and Mother Duck, who came. So in the first year, it was huge following for Mother Duck out of Sydney, trained by Paul Sutherland. And we'd seen Snippets uh, win a couple of two-year-old races here in Brisbane. We were impressed with him, and it became a really big debate to the Sydney-Melbourne rivalry, and the punters uh, in each state swung right behind their, their choices now you had snippets trained by sally rogers who could have walked down cavill avenue in surface paradise and no one would have recognized her. and pb smith who was an experienced new zealand jockey but didn't have a big profile in queensland didn't have huge amount of success he, he was capable rider and snippets was an easy ride he, he was a speed horse and he, he was always going to be in the first few he bolted it. He won by four lengths. And Prince Anton, as I said, ran second, and he was trained by Jim Atkins, and Mother Duck was third. So the race itself had credibility from, from year one, Chris. And and just looking back, I mean, you can jump on YouTube, and if you type in Snippets Magic Millions 1987, you can actually watch the race and the lead-up to it. I think the lead-up with Alan Thomas calling when they were behind the barrier seems to go forever, but the race starts towards the end of that vision, and two things that um, that always make me look twice uh, that grab my attention: the race itself, uh, when they're running around the back, when they're running down the side of the course, there is nothing but paddocks, 
and you look now and you see how far that area has come. And the other, they did flash to the crowd. Alan Thomas was talking and they've, they've uh, flashed to the crowd and the place looked as though it was absolutely packed. There was people sitting on every possible vantage point. You couldn't see the roof of the grandstand, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was people hanging off that too. <laughs> yeah, look, it was a big crowd. Facilities have been uh, upgraded significantly since then. It, it, it sort of tested their, their facility at the Gold Coast, but uh, when Snippets won, up, largely a happy group of punters. Uh, he started two to one, um, he had a good draw, and he, he sort of controlled the race all the way. He was never really in much doubt. Now, to give it more credibility is his subsequent autumn form. He, um, I don't know, he got beaten in the Penfolds Classic at Newcastle. He ran second there. And then he won the Brambles at Kembla Grange, which he, he had to win to get into the race because the money from the um, Magic Millions didn't qualify for the slipper. It, it was regarded as a, a restricted race, as it still is. Yep. Um, and he f- finished fifth in the uh, Golden Slipper for P.B. Smith, a Backed up uh, nine days later in the size produce, Chris Lees had taken him over by then and uh, Peter Cook won on him and he, he won very impressively in the uh, in the size produce 1,400 metres, beating Bozam. So it was a, a pretty good uh, pretty good race. Um, going back to Sally Rogers, there was drama on the day surrounding her. No one knew it in the morning, but when she turned up at the races, she had her arm in a sling. She'd spent the night in hospital and um, only managed to get to the track shortly before the uh, the Magic Millions. And, you know, she had great uh, national headlines out, out of her win there, but um, you know, Sally Rogers more or less disappeared over the years, and I'm not exactly sure where she is now, Chris. No, I tried to track her down at uh, one stage last year to try and catch up with her to do a Magic Millions Memories segment, but she's a very hard one to track down, but I won't give up. I'll get her one of these years. Now, you spoke, Bart, about the first sale being uh, 200 horses they cobbled together. After Snippets won, the next sale, do you know how many horses they had uh, then for sale? Was the numbers doubled, tripled? No, I I think they stayed with that for a few years um, from my memory, but now it's something like, um, if you're talking about the two-year-old classic alone, Magic Means has expanded uh, so much, particularly under Jerry Harvey and Katie Page. But now there's the uh, January sale, there's the March sale, there's a mid-year sale, there's uh, sales in uh, Adelaide, Perth and uh, Tassie, uh, Tamworth. So it's a one in about 3,000. I don't know how many of those pay up, but a large portion of them pay up to be eligible. Then you've got um, wildcard entries come into play with some of the Magic Mini races now. So the original concept, you, you sort of gave yourself a sporting chance at one in 200. <laughs> Not now. It's certainly more <laughs> difficult now. <laughs> and where do you think the uh, Magic Millions can go from here, Bart? I mean, uh, obviously things well, just keep uh, on evolving. Yeah, look, I love the idea. I didn't originally uh, of the women only um, Katie Page came up with this idea that there would be a $500,000 bonus split, one, two, three, if you had three horses in the Magic Millions who were owned solely by females, there's a race within a race. And I don't think there's that many this year who are qualified for the race. So um, it's done wonders for the divorce rate 
because you put your wife, you put your wife's name in the horse. She then loves the idea and and doesn't mind you having a, a share in a racehorse because it's her horse, and the bloke's got a stick. Wife <laughs> takes the horse away. Now uh, you're not only a, a newspaper legend, Bart, but uh, you're obviously a very very good uh, form analyst too. So at this uh, early stage of the week, uh, are you with the favourite, Cool and Gatter, or is there something there that can knock her over? Yeah, look, I I am not at the price, uh, Chris. I, no. I didn't think she was totally convincing in her Brisbane win. Um, it was a good tradesman-like effort. She had to do some work to get there. She still won um, by a, a, a nice margin. Um, would like to have a look at the barrier draw. I, I'm a barrier nut, Chris, and the, the history of the race says that they're pretty much split inside half of the gates and outside half, but... I think uh, I always like them drawn nicely and, and hope to get a run. You, you, also, in the back of your mind, you're considering is it possible it could be wet this year? I know the forecast's okay. Since 1987, the first running of the Magic Means Classic, they've never had a really wet track. I know. That's astonishing. It's amazing to think if the race had been held last Saturday, it would have been a wet track. And if we had to try to do that barrier draw yep. on the beach last Tuesday, it would have been washed away with those high tides. So... So we'll see what happens, Bart, but thank you so much for your time this morning. Great to catch up and talk about some history uh, behind the Magic Millions. We could talk for another half hour, I'm sure, but uh, we can't do that. I'll look forward to catching up with you at some stage during the week, and uh, good luck. Good on you, Chris, and happy new year to all your listeners. Thanks, Bart. Same to you. Surfside Bus Lines. Free shuttle buses to and from the Magic Millions. Visit surfside.com.au. This is Magic Millions Radio with Chris Nelson. That's almost a wrap for this morning's show. The first of five Magic Millions radio shows on this Monday, the first day of Magic Millions week. Don't forget the sales start tomorrow. Uh, it was great to catch up with uh, Tim Rowe to go over some of those lots to keep an eye on tomorrow. Lots one and lot 51. We're going to keep a close eye on those. We'll catch up with Tim again on Wednesday. Tommy Berry, always a pleasure to talk to Tommy Berry, of course, winning the race uh, in 2011 on Karuta Queen and then backing that up in 2012 and winning on Fontaine on protest. Uh, good to chat to Nick Lloyd, get his idea of what he thought of those two-year-old races uh, on Saturday, uh, the Aquas Gold Nugget and the Aquas Pearl. And tomorrow, well, tomorrow on the show, we have a very, very special guest, and that is Mick Dittman. Now, Mick Dittman won on Bold Promise. Of course, she was a super filly. And back in the day where they used to run two divisions of the Magic Billions, one for the fillies and one for the Open, uh, she managed to win two in the same year, of course, and she's the only two-year-old to have ever done that. So Mick Dittman will chat to us uh, about Bold Promise, and she had a really, really good turn of foot, did she? What? You can picture her in the green colours, and I think she had a purple cap. Uh, Nick Lloyd will join us tomorrow. We'll talk to Nick again after the barrier draws. Uh, obviously, there's going to be some changes in the markets, and that's where uh, Tommy Hackett will come in from Ladbrokes. Tommy will talk to us about uh, the market movers, the market drifters after those all-important barrier draws on the beach at Surfers Paradise tomorrow. Now, if you've missed any of the show this morning, it will be tweeted. So if you get onto Twitter and go to the SEN track handle, I'll retweet it under QLD Trials later on. But you can catch the whole show in its entirety if you get onto the SEN track handle or look out for my tweet later on it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for joining us this morning looking forward to another terrific day tomorrow catch us again from 10 a.m queensland time i look forward to it have a great day